Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 99 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today I'm breaking down my top 15 tight end rankings and giving player profiles for each as of July 2nd, 2019. Of course, I'll be evaluating and updating regularly throughout the offseason, and we'll have a final set of rankings come August in lead to draft season. As always, we've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, y'all, sorry for the few days off. Had a long weekend with some family things, but I'm back at it, so I'm extending tight end week just a couple of days here to wrap up my personal 15 tight ends, top 15 tight ends. I highly recommend you double back on the last couple of podcasts, number 97 and number 98, with my man Summy of the Draft Room Pod, and you can get both of our top 15 as we break down his top 15. My top 15 also gives some sleepers, breakouts, and busts per usual. Let's get right into it, though, with my top 15 here. At number 15, I have Mark Andrews of the Ravens. He finished number 17 overall last year. ECR has him at 20 right now, ADP, 22nd tight end, 14th round, 10th pick. That will... I think skyrocket here pretty soon, and I'll explain in just a little bit. I know that Summy absolutely loves Mark Andrews, but you'll have to double back on those episodes to see where he's got him. Mark Andrews stepped up to Baltimore's leading tight end last year when fellow rookie tight end Hayden Hurst missed most of 2018 with a broken foot. Andrews led all four Baltimore tight ends in targets, receptions, yards, and touchdowns. He had over 500 yards and three touchdowns On the season, not too bad for a rookie tight end, but he only saw more than five targets twice, including the playoffs. His yardage high was 83 yards in Week 16 versus the Chargers, but he did average just 34.5 yards per game on the year. Now, Andrews was second in yards per reception among tight ends at 16.2 and yards per target at 11. He was third in average target distance as well as fourth in fantasy points per target at 2.14. But he was 30th in red zone receptions with just three and totaled, again, just those three touchdowns. Most worrisome for me is that he was 36th in team target share with just 9.3% of the Ravens targets on a team that already doesn't throw very much. Tight ends that aren't getting a hefty target share need to have tight end upside, and unfortunately, Mark Andrews had neither in 2018. 
He definitely has the ability to be a red zone and end zone threat as he caught at least seven touchdowns in each of his three seasons at Oklahoma, nearly hitting 1,000 yards in 2017 with 958 yards, netting him a third-round pick by the Ravens after they took Hayden Hurst in the first round. I like the potential of Andrews, and he's still very young in the tight end world. He's just 23 when the season starts in 2019. But with Hurst coming back, new weapons in the Baltimore passing game, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, and Justice Hill out of the backfield, coupled with Lamar Jackson's limitations throwing, as of last year at least, I just don't see him breaking out yet. One could make the case, though, for the Baltimore receivers that they are all either rookies or washed up <laughs> in general, which is fair. Therefore, no real threat to Andrews or Hurst in the possession plays and play action in the red zone and end zone. But the Ravens will be running a lot, probably the most in the NFL, taking the wind out of the pass game for the Ravens. He's my number 15 tight end right now, but I don't really feel good about it. I think he's got top 10 upside and... He could also be irrelevant altogether if Hayden Hurst does come back healthy, but Hayden Hurst came back from a broken foot and he already pulled a hamstring during the offseason, so he might just have a little trouble with lower body injuries in general. If that's the case, Mark Andrews gets the, gets the lead position there at the tight end. I think he could do great there. We know that Harbaugh loves his tight ends, and he did really show signs of being a quality option for the Ravens last year in limited work. Again, I know that Summy loves him. Check out where he's got him. He's got him significantly higher than I do. I will be reviewing this over the offseason as I do with all of my rankings and updating, but I would be shocked if I don't have him at least inside my top 12, maybe even in my top 10 by the time the season starts. So I do like Mark Andrews a lot. I'm just a little bit worried about his overall situation in Baltimore. So number 15, I got Mark Andrews. Number 14, Dallas Goddard, Philadelphia Eagles, finished number 20 overall. ECR has him at 21. ADP has him at 19. Fourth pick in the fourth round, or excuse me, fourth pick in the 14th round. Goddard is the backup to Ertz, and that will remain the same unless Ertz gets uh, hurt, of course. However, as a rookie, Goddard scored at least 14 PPR fantasy points in three games, and he had at least five targets, including three of his four touchdowns. Ertz dominated in all categories head-to-head with Dallas Goddard, but Goddard edged out Ertz in a catch rate, so dividing the total catches by total targets, but from a tight end. Goddard was third among tight ends at 78.6% catch rate, and Ertz was seventh among tight ends at 74.4. Now Ertz led tight ends and targets and set an NFL record with 116 receptions, but technically... Goddard was a bit more efficient with his targets. I'm not trying to make a case that Goddard is better than Ertz, uh, because he's not, yet at least. But I am saying, like Ebron and Doyle, which I'll get to in a little bit, I think we could see two cooks in the kitchen in Philadelphia with a scheme that features the tight end and a quarterback that focuses on that position as well, and Carson Wentz coming back healthy. Goddard is the same size as Ertz, 6'5", 250, but... Some would argue Goddard is more athletic overall. I certainly believe that. Goddard is my tight end 14 right now, but I could see him putting up more more of a consistent effort this year and therefore putting a dent in Ertz's numbers. So we'll get to his ranking uh, in a while. But um, 
Goddard could potentially cement himself as a legitimate tight end one as well in his own right. So he's worth a late round flyer in deeper leagues and possibly one of two tight end handcuffs along with Ebron and Doyle. Speaking of Jack Doyle, I've got him at number 13. He finished 34th overall, but he was 6th in uh, points per game. And 15th in ECR right now, 21st in ADP, 6th pick in the 14th round, going just behind Dallas Goddard, actually. Doyle landed on the IR in Week 13 with a lacerated kidney injury, but he missed Weeks 3 through 7 with a hip injury before gutting out, literally, Weeks 8 through 12 when he caught 17 or 18 targets, or excuse me, 17 of 18 targets for 165 yards and two touchdowns. He's most likely missing OTAs in training camp as he heals up, but he should be ready to go for the preseason. His limited stats in 2018 would have projected out to 88 targets, 69 receptions, 653 yards, and five touchdowns over 16 games, or 164 PPR fantasy points, which is good for tight end six in PPR in 2018. He was the tight end seven and a pro bowler in 2017. And when Doyle played, he led Ebron in total targets, 33 to 22 and target share 15.35 to 10.71. However, Ebron scored seven touchdowns in those six games, whereas Doyle scored just twice. So Doyle doesn't have the touchdown upside as Ebron, but he has the rapport with luck and is a trusty PPR option in a potent offense. In 2017, in 15 games before Ebron was on the team, of course, Doyle was second in team target share, and he was second in receptions among tight ends as well as yards after catch, and he was fifth in targets and sixth in receiving yards, red zone target share, and fifth in PPR fantasy points. Uh, netting a tight end seven in PPR in 2017. Now that was without Andrew Luck, actually, who was on the IR for the season, but nonetheless, a career year for Doyle and a staple in the Indianapolis pass attack in 2016 with Luck. Doyle went 75 targets, 59 receptions, 584 yards, and five touchdowns, which was good for tight end 13 in PPR. And Ebron seems to have finally overcome the curse of the lions, but I don't see him being as amazing um, as he was last year and eliminating Jack Doyle so much so that he's irrelevant. Therefore I've got Jack Doyle as my tight end 13 right now, thus cutting Ebron out of my top five spoiler alert. I'll get to him in just a little bit, but I really think that both of these guys, just like potentially Goddard and Ertz could uh, potentially both be top 10, at least top 12 options. I do like Oil, uh, oil, Doyle and Ebron as a better combo than Ertz and Goddard, just because I think I like Ertz and Goddard as players better, but in fantasy and opportunity, I think right away that Doyle and um, Ebron will have more numbers uh, this year. But I really do like Goddard, as I mentioned, and Jack Doyle at number 13. Next up at number 12, I have Austin Hooper of the Falcons. He finished quietly 6th last year. ECR has him at 11. ADP has him as the 11th tight end as well, going as the ninth pick in the 10th round. Hooper was the most unnoticed number 6 finish in fantasy football history potentially last year. 
He had a career high in targets with 88 receptions at 71, yards at 660, and touchdowns with four. An uptick in work came when the Atlanta run game got absolutely demolished with injuries last year, and their defense was destroyed as well, putting them in many shootouts and in basically enhancing the throwing opportunities for Matt Ryan. Uh, and we saw Julio Jones lead the league in targets at 170, and rookie Calvin Ridley scored 10 touchdowns as well, but there was still plenty of room for Austin Hooper. I expect this all to come back down to earth in 2019 with Devonta Freeman returning, Ito Smith having in another year to progress as the uh, running back two for the Falcons, and their defense having a chance to actually stop somebody in 2019. But that said... I'm not totally throwing away Austin Hooper. The Falcons are still going to be a potent offense, maybe even more so with new and former offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter returning to Hotlanta. In 2018, Hooper had, again, let's see, 88 targets, 71 receptions, 660 uh, yards, and four touchdowns, which was good for... 163 PPR fantasy points, or 10.2 per game. Over in Tampa Bay, where Dirk Cutter was last year, the head coach, the combo of O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, teamed up for a total of 92 targets, 64 receptions, 854 yards, and 11 touchdowns. So all of those numbers, except for receptions, was better than Austin Hooper for the combo of Howard and Brait under Dirk Cutter, who is now in Atlanta. That was good for 215 PPR fantasy points, or 13.4 points per game. That's 52 uh, PPR fantasy points better than Hooper and 3.2 points per game better than Hooper. So if Hooper can stay around 80 targets, 65 receptions, and 600 yards and boost those touchdowns to that maybe 6 to 8 range, he could be at roughly 173 PPR fantasy points, 10.8 per game, which would have been good for, again, tight end six, but 10 points better than he was in 2018. I have Hooper ranked as my top 12 tight end right now because I think the Falcons will have more mouths to feed this year and his overall production will go down a little bit. But the difference between Hooper at tight end number six and Jimmy Graham at tight end 12 last year was only 33 PPR points. I see that going to Devonta Freeman in the pass game easily and divided up by the receivers. So we saw what Howard and Brait could do under Dirk Cutter. And he is now in Atlanta, which I think is going to do well for Hooper and that entire offense in general. But I do like Hooper this year. I think it's fair to say that Hooper is kind of a mix of Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard's skill sets, although closer resembling Cameron Brait. He doesn't have the athleticism of O.J. Howard, but I do think he has the touchdown upside, and he also has the uh, the hands and the ability to make a play inside the 20s. So I think he's a good combo there. And um, I think that Cu- Dirk Cutter will be targeting the tight end enough to keep Hooper relevant, which lands him right on that bubble of my tight end ones to start the season. So I don't see him finishing top six again, but Hooper could land top 10 if he gets those touchdowns up. Next up, number 11, Delaney Walker of the Titans. Last year, he uh, broke his foot or broke his ankle in the um, 
first game of the season, so he does not have a finish. Uh, ECR has him at 12 right now. ADP has him at 13. He's going as the 11th pick in the 12th round. Delaney Walker will be 35 when the season starts and is recovering from a broken leg, which cost him 2018. However, he is cleared for OTAs and is set to fully return healthy to start training camp in 2019. He was the tight end four in PPR in 2017, collecting 111 targets, 74 receptions, 807 yards, and three touchdowns, his lowest touchdown output since 2012. So that should regress up. Walker has had four consecutive seasons with 100-plus targets, 60-plus receptions, 800-plus yards, and he has 20 touchdowns over that time in the last four seasons. Of course, not including last season. He's played at least 15 games in every season of his 13-year career except for his rookie season when he played seven games. In 2010, he played 14, and of course last year when he broke his leg in the first couple of plays. He's sort of quietly been one of the most reliable fantasy tight ends over the last few years and actually was the second most, he has the second most fantasy points per game in PPR settings over the last three seasons behind only Tyler Eifert, who was kind of cheating. He doesn't really count because he had a he had just 14 games over that time, boosting his numbers. So really, you could think of Delaney Walker as the first tight end in fantasy points per game in PPR over the last three seasons. That shocked me, frankly. The Titans are pretty set at wide receiver with Corey Davis waiting to break out, rookie A.J. Brown, and last year's fantasy darling Adam Humphreys in Tampa Bay, now with the Titans in the slot. However, my man Marcus Mariota has been terrible over the last couple of seasons, unfortunately, albeit due to injury mostly, but still not consistent. And I find it hard to believe that he'll return to kind of a high-flying offense that they had in his rookie season at spurts in 2019 with a run game featuring Derrick Henry, or at least a run game that should feature Derrick Henry. Walker's one of the most consistent targets for Marcus Mariota, which I think really helps Delaney in the tight end position, and has been his favorite target since entering the league. With new offensive coordinator Arthur Smith taking over for Matt LaFleur, who is now in Green Bay, of course, as the head coach for Aaron Rodgers and company, Delaney Walker should see plenty of work. Arthur Smith had been the tight end coach in Tennessee for the past three seasons before getting promoted to offensive coordinator, and the Titans were 25th in total offense last year, 7th in rushing, 29th in passing, so that'll obviously have to go up for Delaney to be more successful. But some of that had to do with Mariota being hurt, some of that had to do with limited weapons overall, some of that had to do with the most reliable weapon breaking his leg on opening day. Walker's my tight end 11 with a steady floor when healthy and a bit of upside, but isn't Higher because I'm worried about the Tennessee offense as a whole, a run-first approach, and Mariota's health and Walker's health as well. Delaney may be kind of one or two good years you know, left in the tank, hopefully, and I think we see that from him in a full recovery from his broken leg this year, although he definitely scares me a little bit because we saw what happened to Greg Olson uh, past his 30s, break his foot last year, and he, he kind of stumbled back. And then even when he came back, he wasn't very agile. He had a decent game, uh, scored a couple touchdowns, had a decent game for the Panthers. But, um, 
he wasn't really able to be himself. Greg Olson, he contemplated retirement again this year. And um, I'm worried about Delaney Walker up in that age range. So let's just, uh, you know, temper the expectations, I think, for Delaney Walker. But in general, I think if he's healthy, I think he could be a really solid option there for the Titans. At number 10, I have David Njoku of the Browns. He finished number 9 last year. ECR has him at 9. ADP has him at 10. He's going as the 5th pick in the 8th round. Njoku is seemingly all the talent in the world, but he hasn't quite broken out just yet. I think that happens this year, though, even with Odell Beckham also in Cleveland. Njoku has played 16 games in both of his seasons and increased his output across the board in 2018, earning 88 targets, 56 receptions, 639 yards and four touchdowns. Of course, this is before Odell Beckham got to town, but Njoku had more than five targets in eight games and surpassed 50 yards in eight games as well. He finished tight end nine, but he had a goose egg in week eight at Pittsburgh, one of the stingiest defenses against the tight end in 2018. They also held Njoku to three Catches for 13 yards on seven targets in week one in Cleveland as well. So if you take those two games out, he and average-wise, he kind of rises to the top there. But nonetheless, you got to play the Steelers twice. He'll have to do that again this year. So we can't completely ignore it. But um, potentially, if you take out those two games, he, he did uh, far better with his overall numbers there. So he would have put up a season average for PPR points of 9.6. And he would have finished about tight end seven with 153.5 PPR fantasy points. He was seventh in targets and eighth in receiving, eight in receptions, eight in receiving yards, and eighth in touchdowns as well among tight ends. He was also eighth in team target share with 16.9%. I mentioned earlier in Mark Andrews' breakdown that tight ends not getting the target share need to have the touchdown upside. And I said that Mark Andrews last year didn't really have either one of them. This year for Njoku, I think he actually has both. And he's shown the increased target share from 31st as a rookie to uh, at 10.6% at target share to eighth last year among tight ends. At 16.9%, he scored four touchdowns in both of his first two seasons, which isn't super sexy per se, but it's consistent and a nice floor for a tight end. And of course, Odell Beckham will be the focal point of this offense, but Baker and the gang will all be better. And with new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin coming in from Tampa Bay, we should see this offense balanced, but leaning leaning to the pass for sure. I mentioned Howard and Brate's output with Munkin during his time as the offensive coordinator in Tampa Bay last year in Austin Hooper's breakdown. And we saw Njoku put up similar numbers to Howard, both in their second seasons, now their third seasons, last year with Munkin, now handling the play calling for the Browns. So it should help Njoku get enough work to see his numbers bump once again in his third year. And unlike O.J. Howard, who has to compete with Cameron Brait, uh, David Njoku does not have any uh, serious competition at the tight end position. Odell is Odell, but I don't see anyone else on the Browns' roster right now challenging Njoku for end zone looks. Uh, Jarvis Landry, no. Chubb, sure, but not through the air. Callaway definitely, you know, hits the deep bombs, but not in the red zone or end zone. Higgins could for sure, but we'll see if here Callaway get that third job there for uh, the wide receivers. I think uh, Njoku is a great big body target, big athletic receiver, 
um, playing tight end, one of those kind of hybrid bodies. So I think he's going to get an uptick this year for sure uh, with the new high-flying Browns offense. The Browns should really elevate their entire offense this year, and I think Njoku will be a big part of that. So there's a lot of mouths to feed all of a sudden in Cleveland, but Njoku should be one of the main targets, and therefore he's my tight end 10, one spot behind last year's finish. And that's pretty much only because Odell Beckham is in town, but I'm excited for a potential breakout for David Njoku. Next up, number nine, Vance McDonald of the Steelers finished number 10 last year. ECR has him at 10. ADP has him at nine as the first pick in the eighth round. Vance is entering his seventh season as an NFL tight end. He has missed 23 out of a possible 96 games, though. So that's 24%. One quarter of all of his games that he has eligible to play, he has missed one quarter of his games so far in his career. That is not a good sign. He's only had more than 70 yards in four of 73 games. I'll say that again. He's only had more than 70 yards in four of his 73 games. However... He no longer has to share a field with Jesse James, fellow tight end in Pittsburgh, who is now in Detroit. And he should gobble up some of the 168 targets left behind by Antonio Brown's departure to the Oakland Raiders. In 2000, or excuse me, in 15 games in 2018, Vance saw career highs in targets at 72, receptions at 50, yards at 610, and he tied his 2016 career high with four touchdowns. And that was all with fellow tight end Jesse James, and A.B. getting work as well. Most remember his beastly Derrick Henry impression against the Bucks in Week 4 when he went for four catches for 112 yards and a touchdown, but he only went over five targets in five games and over 50 yards in three games, but none after Week 6. Vance has loads of potential and could and should be a top tight end in the NFL and in fantasy, but between injuries and having to deal with competition at the position over his entire career so far, we haven't quite seen it. McDonald is my tight end nine right now, and after seeing him set career highs in pretty much every category in his professional career and playing 15 games now, albeit not a full 16, but 15 games with just the second time in his career, plus getting a chance to be the bona fide tight end one without competition at a position and inherit what should be a significant target increase with AB in Oakland. I think he's got, I think he'll get in the top 10 for tight ends, and I think he even has the ability to increase there, but kind of just where I said with, you know, Mark Andrews could, could kind of be a top 10 tight end as well. He could also kind of vanish. I feel like Vance could do that too, but I don't think it happens this year because again, it's Juju and the running backs and a bunch of young receivers and Dante Moncrief. So there's going to be a lot of people to, you know, Ben likes to kind of spread the ball around to a certain extent, but as we saw with Antonio Brown for years, he also likes to target somebody. Now, that's probably going to be Juju Schuster, but we also saw Heath Miller a long time ago, um, solid fantasy tight end for years, also get his work. So if Vance can be that number one guy and the tight end to stay healthy, I think he'll be just fine. And in a good moving uh, Steelers de- uh, offense, he should get plenty of numbers. I saw Vance play for his first four years of his career in San Francisco and loved the talent and potential but he could never really stay healthy. So 
he was kind of the 49ers George Kittle before Kittle athletically at least, but he couldn't keep consistency and he had those injury woes, unfortunately. I'm not saying Vance McDonald is George Kittle by any means, but he does have similar athleticism we see from the top six tight ends and he's in a pass-happy offense. Remember, Big Ben led the NFL in pass attempts in 2018. And even if that goes down, with 168 potential targets up for grabs, Vance could finally actually break out for real. Like 75 receptions for 800 plus yards and eight touchdowns kind of break out, which would be good for a top five tight end. So to quote JP from Angels in the Outfield, it could happen. Let's get to my last name here, and we'll take a quick break, and we'll get to the final seven top tight ends of my rankings so far for 2019. At number eight, Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron with the Colts finished number four last year on a beastly season. ECR has him at seven. ADP has him at seven. He's going as the last pick in the twelfth round, uh, last pick of the sixth round. Pardon me. I have him just below that at um, tight end number eight. Ebron led all tight ends in touchdowns and was tied with Devontae Adams for second in the NFL in receiving touchdowns at 13, behind only Antonio Brown with 15. He set career highs in targets, 110, receptions, 66, receiving yards, 750, and uh, touchdowns with those 13. And he caught a touchdown in 10 out of 16 games in 2018, and he caught a touchdown on 19.7% of his receptions, which essentially is one touchdown for every five receptions. That's ridiculous and, frankly, unsustainable. All of this happened with Jack Doyle in and out of the lineup, only playing six games on the season. And Ebron had just 30% of the snap count share per game with Doyle in the lineup and Ebron acting as the number two tight end, which I think is the plan for Frank Reich. At least that was the plan coming in last year before Doyle went down. We'll see what happens this year. The Colts brought in Devin Funches from Carolina. They drafted Parrish Campbell in the second round from Ohio State in the NFL draft. And outside of the obvious touchdown upside, he, you know, Ebron said that he wanted to break Gronk's tight end record with 17 touchdowns. I'm worried about Ebron repeating 2018's numbers for sure. I mean, definitely those are going to regress as a whole, but him even getting half of the production with Doyle coming back. So Ebron was first in end zone target share and seventh in red zone target share, which are great for your tight end. But again, that's without Doyle most of the time. Doyle will be used as a possession receiver between the 20s, more so than Ebron, and Ebron will be used more around the goal line. But I think Doyle... Also, you know, gets a handful of touchdowns, as I mentioned, and he'll be out there quite a bit, and they'll run a lot of two tight end sets that we also see in Philadelphia, especially when defenses are giving an extra eye to the huge body of Eric Ebron, especially after what he did um, last year, getting his monstrous 13 touchdowns. Ebron will get his for sure, but Doyle isn't a usual backup tight end. He's a legit starter and I think will be the starter for the Colts but I think they'll just run two tight end sets most of the time he's a second year starter and has that history with luck as I mentioned in Doyle and Ebron is having the second year with luck as well which is great but again we'll see what happens when both of them come back healthy and we get them on the field together for multiple games but we saw the target share 
receptions, attempts go up for Doyle uh, over Ebron when Doyle was healthy last year. So it'll be interesting. Ebron is my tight end eight. He's got top five upside, obviously, and even, you know, top three upside with the touchdowns and everything. But with all that coming down to earth, I think this year and Doyle coming back, I think they can kind of both eat each other a little bit. Uh, But as I mentioned earlier, a couple of times, they both have potential to be tight end ones in this offense. Um, maybe even both top 10 tight ends if they can uh, get the, the reception yardage and touchdowns based out evenly uh, for the Colts. And either way, the Colts are going to be a high-flying offense. So I would love to get one of these guys. Really quick before I take a break, I want to just mention that if you dr- draft Ertz early and you're in a deeper league with like seven or more bench players, I don't think it's crazy to also draft Dallas Goddard. If Ertz goes down, Goddard, I think, just replaces him, and he's a top five, top three tight end option every single week. Same thing with uh, Ebron and Doyle. If you get Ebron early, then grabbing Doyle late, I think, is you know very cheap to get Doyle and, and Goddard, and you might as well just handcuff those guys. You may even be able to play them some weeks, but I just think you know if you have a deep roster spot and you can sit on it, I really, really think it would be worth your time at the tight end position because it's so scarce. So before we get into the top seven tight ends, if you like what you're hearing from the podcast and you like to find us outside of the podcast, please give us a like and a follow on our social medias. You can find us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod. You can find us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find us on Facebook at the candlestick kids fantasy podcast. And you can always drop us an email at TCK pod at gmail.com and of course please leave a rating and review here on the podcast wherever you happen to be listening to it we do appreciate your feedback and we appreciate your support so much we are coming up on 100 episodes of the tck pod and we so much appreciate the love and support so please give us your feedback and let us know how we're doing if you'd like me to change anything you want me to continue doing certain styles uh certain episodes whatever holler at me i'm a man of the people we'll make it happen So before we get into the rest of the podcast, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Stay tuned. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to and how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast.
All right, let's get back to our top seven tight ends as of July 2nd, 2019. We will start with Jared Cook of the New Orleans Saints. Of course, Cook comes over from the Oakland Raiders. He finished fifth on the year last year. ECR has him at eight. ADP has him at eight, going as the fifth pick in the seventh round. Jared Cook had career year in 2018, going 101 targets, 68 receptions, 896 yards, four 100-yard games, which is great for your tight end, especially in bonus leagues, and six touchdowns. He was also top five for most categories last year as the tight end in Oakland, and he's now in New Orleans. He finished fifth in PPR fantasy points, fantasy points per game, targets, receptions, and yards after catch. He was fourth in receiving yards, air yards, red zone receptions, and touchdowns among tight ends. He was third in end zone target share, again, all with the Raiders and a very inconsistent quarterback in uh, Derek Carr. He now gets one of the most consistent and accurate quarterbacks in NFL history in Drew Brees. Cook had double-digit targets in three games. He was over 100 yards in four games, and he scored two, six touchdowns in a slow, inefficient offense. He's now on his fifth NFL team, but his best quarterback outside of one year with Aaron Rodgers in 2016, but Rodgers isn't exactly known for targeting his tight ends. Drew Brees is. Now, it was a long time ago, but bear with me here. Between 2010 and 2014, five seasons, Jimmy Graham averaged 119 targets, 77 receptions, 950 yards, and 10 touchdowns, including at least 10 touchdowns in three of those five seasons and 16 in 2013. Jimmy Graham averaged at tight end with Drew Brees. Over five years, he averaged 119 targets, 77 receptions, 950 yards, and 10 touchdowns, getting 16 touchdowns in 2013. His average output in PPR leagues was 232 PPR fantasy points or the tight end four in 2018, just ahead of Eric Ebron. Graham's numbers have not been close to the same since he left Drew Brees, except for one season where he had 10 touchdowns in 2017 with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, but he only had 57 receptions and 520 yards. The Saints are considered one of the most potent offenses in the league, which I agree with, but don't have much of a serious threat outside of Michael Thomas in the passing game. Ted Ginn, Traquan Smith, Kirkwood, nah. Cook could have real value as he's being drafted uh, as the seventh round ADP right now with top five upside in my opinion. He's my tight end seven right now, but only because he's 32 and in a new system. However, if he clicks with Breeze, which it sounds like they already are in uh, the offseason, he could have back-to-back career years and help folks win leagues as the eighth tight end off the board. So if you miss on the big three, And then what I'm going to call the next three that I'm going to get into here in a second, Jared Cook is definitely my first gamble after all those guys when you start hitting the eighth round. All right, let's get into the first of the next three. So we have the big three, which most people have, which I'll get to in a little bit, the top three tight ends. And then we have the next three, which are tight ends four, five, and six. Six tight end for me is Hunter Henry. 
Now, of course, he tore his ACL in the preseason last year. He was out for the season. ECR has him at five. ADP has him at five. I have him at six, and he's going as the second pick in the sixth round. Hunter Henry missed 2018 with a torn ACL. He missed four games as well in 2017 and three more in his rookie season in 2016. There's a ton of hype that's been swirling around the fantasy community for years now about Hunter Henry, but we haven't quite seen it as of yet, mostly because of injuries and the ghost of Antonio Gates refusing to retire. Henry's best numbers per category so far are nine targets. This is in a single game. Nine targets, seven receptions, 90 yards, or 20.3 fantasy points. These numbers are overall, not collectively in one game, just in each individual category. His career high so far is nine targets, seven receptions, 90 yards, 20.3 fantasy points. His best single season for fantasy production came in week six of his rookie season back in 2016 versus Denver when he went for six receptions on nine tar- uh, six receptions on eight targets for 83 yards and a touchdown on a 27.6 percent target share, equaling to uh, 20.3 fantasy points. In 2017, his best game was. Five catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown for 18.6 fantasy points in Week 12 versus Dallas. He's not exceptionally fast. He's got 4.7 speed. He's not exactly agile or quick. He's in the 50th percentile, but he's big. 6'5", 250. He's only 24 and attached to a quarterback in Phillip Rivers that loves the tight end. And with Gates most likely to actually retire now that Hunter Henry is healthy, at least, you know, knock on wood. Um, As he tried to come back in 2018, he wasn't able to, and they basically got Gates out of retirement. I think that we'll be good to go with a Hunter Henry full bore in 2019. So he should have the upside both up over the middle between the 20s and in the red zone and the end zone. Yes, Keenan Allen will hog targets over the middle and Mike Williams will most likely get red zone and end zone work on the outside. But Rivers always loved Antonio Gates when it mattered for first downs, uh, for red zone completions, for touchdowns, play action. And Henry is now in that role, hopefully. Melvin Gordon will take some of that work also, but Henry can give 12 to 14 games of full potential in this Chargers offense. He should be able to bring in close to 90 targets, 65 receptions, 800 yards, and about eight touchdowns, which was Antonio Gates' general average over the past few years. So I think that Hunter Henry can do that for sure. That would be good for tight end six in 2018. And I think those predictions are pretty modest, honestly, for what Henry can deliver, but he needs to prove it. So right now he's my tight end six He'd be higher, but the hype alone doesn't really do it for me, and I'm a bit worried about that knee after a torn ACL. He has similar upside to Evan Ingram, I think, O.J. Howard, and even Ertz and Kittle potentially, uh, but we just have to see it and um, see him out on the field and see him getting the work and actually healthy for me to warrant a higher ranking for him. So tight end six seems fair. But if he clicks and he also stays healthy, he could definitely challenge for a top three spot uh, by season's end. No question about it. Let's just hope he stays healthy. 
At number five, I have O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard had an ankle sprain, kept him out a couple of games last year, hobbled him for a few others. He finished 14th overall. ECR has him at four. ADP has him at four. And he is going as a seventh pick in the fifth round. O.J. Howard missed six games last year, but still finished 14th overall and was tied for fifth among tight ends with 12.1 PPR fantasy points per game with Jared Cook in 2018. Howard was first in yards per reception at 16.6, yards per target at 11.8, fantasy points per pass route, so per route ran, basically, and fantasy points per target at 2.51. So those are all very, very efficient numbers for your tight end, and they should only go up this year in his third season. He was second in average target distance at 11.8, which means they like to target him down the field, which is ideal considering he's in the 97th percentile in 40 time at a 4.5140, as well as a 98th percentile in agility score and speed score. After a solid 2017, Cameron Brait, doesn't seem to be much of a factor concerning OJ Howard's uh, workload. Um, he's a, you know, kind of, he's down there. He's going to catch a couple of touchdowns, but he's not going to be a mainstay. And if Howard can actually stay healthy, I think he will be that bonafide number one tight end for sure for Jameis Winston. Jameis loves the tight ends and Howard is a threat between the twenties as well as the red zone. And with new head coach Bruce Arians coming in to continue a pass-heavy nature for the Buccaneers as of late, Howard should see quite a few opportunities to score and rack up some serious numbers this season with the ability to break out um, anywhere. I don't know. He could be close to George Kittle again, I think. Um, And Arians isn't necessarily known for his heavy target share to the tight end per se. But neither was uh, offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter, uh, who I just mentioned is now in Atlanta, but was formerly in Tampa Bay, or former offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, who is now in Cleveland, who was in Tampa Bay. But when you have an athlete like Howard, you get him the ball. When you get guys like that the ball, they make plays happen. We saw how explosive uh, George Kittle could be last year in a terrible offense. And he was able to make plays, runs after catch. And when you're a tight end and you're pulling in five to eight balls a game for, you know, 50 to 80 minimum and you're a threat to score anywhere on the field, that's a huge, huge upgrade with massive upside for your tight end position. And Howard is certainly that guy. He did suffer a grade three high ankle sprain in week 11 and missed the rest of the season, but seems to be fully recovered now heading into training camp for the Bucks. His injury is less concerning than Henry's torn ACL recovery, in my opinion, which is why I have him a spot higher. But I think as close to the big three, you know, and having this kind of next three tier, as I mentioned, four, five, and six, any one of these guys could be in that top three rank. They just have question marks more so than the top three. But I love O.J. Howard. I believe that Henry, Howard, and Ingram all possess the same upside in similar positions um, for workload and the ability to explode in 2019. So heading into 2019, I expect Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz to remain the top three at season's end, but if any of them were to go down, or as I mentioned, 
Dallas Goddard were to creep into Ertz, or maybe uh, Kelsey isn't able to just be the number one if Tyreek is out, which I think Tyreek actually helps the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey, or there's a bunch of mouths to feed in San Francisco and Kittle doesn't come to par. I think, uh, repeat his uh, performance, I think any one of these guys could uh, supplant one of them in the top three for sure. So tight end is still a rough position all around compared to the other positions in fantasy, but it's not all you know, as brutal as I think all the analysts make it up if you really dive into it. And Howard right now is my tight end five, but like Henry and Ingram, he has the upside to be in that top three. So for me, Howard is a great, great, um, I don't know about value in the fifth, uh, the fifth round right now. I'd like to see him maybe in the sixth, which I don't think he'll fall that far. But if you are already pretty stacked with two heavy running backs, two heavy tight end or two heavy wide receivers, and you're looking for just a high upside guy with a good floor. I think Howard would be that guy in the fifth round. And maybe even better for you would be Evan Ingram, who is actually going around later than OJ Howard, but I have him one spot higher. Evan Ingram is my number four tight end. He had a let's see number 13 overall finish last year ECR has him at six ADP has him at six and he's going as the fifth pick in the sixth round and I know that Summy really loves uh Evan Ingram like I mentioned date back to the two previous episodes part one and part two of our tight end rankings when I had special guest Summy on of the draft room podcast you can check that out but I do know uh, and I will let you know that Summy um let's just say he had uh, Evan Ingram in his top three. So check that out for sure. He made some great, great points and kind of inspired me to potentially move up Evan Ingram as well. But right now I've got him at number four. Evan Ingram busted last year after a breakout rookie campaign. He only had three touchdowns in 11 games, but he did have a higher yards per game average, 52.5 in 2018 from 48.1 in 2017. He failed to eclipse 90 yards in a game and only had one game with double-digit targets, and that was 12 in Week 15 versus the Tennessee Titans. However, his season erupted when Odell Beckham got hurt in Week 13, and Evan Ingram returned from his own injury in Week 14. Ingram's four biggest games of the season last year in terms of receiving yards came during the final four weeks, Weeks 14, 15, 16, and 17, after Odell went down for the rest of the season. His 320 receiving yards over the final four games was 10th among all receivers. All receivers. So that's receivers, tight ends, and running backs. His 320 receiving yards over the uh, final four games was 10th among all receivers and second among all tight ends behind only George Kittle. Evan Ingram saw target share go up from 16.7 to 27.3 over those final games as well. And Ingram was tight end 19 in fantasy points per game at 8.8 from weeks 1 to 11. But he missed some of that time and um, kind of took the – I took the per game average uh, over the total there because he did miss a couple of games. But even still, 2019 is miserable. Uh, Excuse me, 2019. Tight end at 19 is miserable um, for tight ends. But once he got healthy – Himself and Odell went down. Evan Ingram was tight end two overall in total PPR fantasy points 
and total PPR fantasy points per game at 16.2 behind only George Kittle from weeks 14 through 17. So he was he was at 8.8 PPR fantasy points in weeks 1 through 11 and 16.2 PPR fantasy points weeks 14 through 17 without Odell. If this is what we can expect from Ingram, now that Odell has gone to Cleveland, he's a steal in the sixth round. He's got 4-4 four, uh, four, four speed, which puts him in the 100th percentile, according to player profile. He was second in, tar- in target separation, which is a c- uh, receiver's average yards of separation from the closest defender when the ball arrives. Kittle was eighth, Ertz was 16th, and Kelsey was 18th. Evan Ingram was second among target separation. Evan Ingram is extremely athletic, but like Henry, he's got to stay healthy. He's my tight end four with top three upside. And if one of the big three stumbles, he's kind of my first target to, if I miss out on Kelsey, Kittle, or Ertz in the second or third round, which I probably will because I don't see myself drafting one of those guys that high, Kelsey is the only tight end that I'd be willing to spend a second round pick on or even, you know, Maybe a third-round pick. I just don't know that I would spend that kind of capital on Kittle or Ertz in the third round. Um, I'd rather have an elite receiver or running back at that point. But the third round is a little hard for me to take Kittle or Ertz, and you know Kelsey won't fall that far. So I either take Kelsey in the second, third round, which I doubt I'm going to do, or I'm looking right away for Evan Ingram in the sixth round. And to be honest with you, with the ability uh, and his target share um, and the opportunity in what should be a pretty lackluster Giants offense with Eli Manning, um, who actually likes the tight end and can at least throw, you know, seven yard slants. Uh, I like the upside of Evan Ingram and I might even reach to him in the fifth round if I'm feeling good there. So at number four, I have Evan Ingram. That rounds out my next three. So Four, five, and six, Ingram, Howard, and Henry. And now my big three, which I think is most people's big three. Although, again, not Summies. Summy has Ingram in his top three. And one of these guys is out of his top three. So dial back to the previous episode, episode number 98, and check out who Summy has outside of his top three. But I have Ertz at number three, finished second overall, third in ECR, second in ADP, going as the third pick in the third round. Ertz set an NFL record for receptions by a tight end with 116, passing Jason Witten's 110 in 2012. He had more targets, more receptions than Kittle and Kelsey, but at least 170 yards short of both, so extremely efficient. Ertz did have a 74.4 catch percentage, significantly better than both Kittle at 64.7 and Kelsey at 68.7. He was first in targets, 156, receptions at 116, red zone target share at 32.1%, and air yards at 848. He was second second in team target share um, at 26.4%, red zone receptions at 16, fantasy points per game at 17.5, and total target distance at 1,181 yards. Ertz opened 2018 with double-digit targets in six of eight of his games and double-digit receptions in three of those eight games for 90 yards plus in four of those first eight games. He was the tight end one over those first eight games at 17.9 fantasy points per game. And he had weeks one and two with Nick Foles 
and weeks three through eight with Carson Wentz. He was also the tight end one over the final eight games of the season after Philadelphia's bye in week nine with 17.2 fantasy points per game. And he had weeks 10 through 14 with Wentz and weeks 15 through 17 with Foles. In that week nine that he had a bye, Travis Kelsey had 28.9 PPR fantasy points. That pretty much put him over the top for overall at the end of the season. But per 24-7 sports, in 11 games with Wentz at quarterback, Ertz was targeted 106 times, 9.64 targets per game, 26.4% of the time with Wentz. In the seven games, Foles was a quarterback, including the playoffs. Ertz was targeted 67 times, 9.29 targets per game, and 25.2% of the time. Ertz has 437 receptions in his first six seasons, the most by a tight end in NFL history. And there's no reason to think that the Eagles wouldn't give him about 100 targets again. But with another year of Dallas Goddard, as I mentioned earlier, Deshaun Jackson coming back to Philadelphia from Dallas, or excuse me, Tampa Bay, pardon me, rookie J.J. Arcega-Whiteside coming in from Stanford, who has drawn comps to Des Bryant and, of course, Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar. There are many, many mouths to feed in Philadelphia. Plus, after Ertz's record-setting season, you'd have to imagine that defenses will be keying on him trying to limit his production and make Wentz be more effective elsewhere. So that could prove unwise for defenses, um, as I think they're going to be great with field stretchers all over the field and Wentz can make a play anywhere, but that may in turn limit Ertz's upside overall. So for that reason, I have Ertz just outside of my top two. He is my top three tight end, my number three tight end behind Kittle and Kelsey. At number two, I do have George Kittle. George Kittle finished third. ECR has him at second. ADP has him at third, and he's going to the seventh pick in the third round just behind Zach Ertz. Kittle set the NFL record for receiving yards by a tight end at 1,377, surpassing Kelsey on the final game of the season soon after Kelsey actually set the record at 1,336 earlier that day. Kittle was first in tight end receiving yards and eighth in the NFL overall. Eighth in the NFL overall in receiving yards. Kelsey was second and tenth, respectively. Kelsey had 14 more targets than Kittle and 15 more receptions, yet Kittle's yards per reception was 15.56 and Kittle's and Kelsey's was 13. So excuse me, Kittle's yards per reception was 15.56 and Kelsey's was 13. Kittle was first in yards after catch at 857, second in end zone target share at 33.3%, third in targets at 135, receptions at 88, Fantasy points per game at 16 and somehow only had five touchdowns. Kelsey had 10 and Ertz had eight. So if Kittle just had one or two more touchdowns, he probably would have been the uh, number one tight end in fantasy. He was arguably the most efficient. Kittle's efficiency may go down as he had a huge yards after catch plays and there's more mouths to feed as well in San Francisco this year. But his tight end should also go up, and he's the clear top option, I think, for the 49ers in the red zone. And with Jimmy G coming back from injury, who missed 13 games last year, 
Um, I think that uh, Kittle will have an increased role in the red zone and maybe get up to like eight to ten touchdowns, but we'll see what he can do in between the twenties. Interestingly, though, interestingly though, Nick Mullins had better numbers, averaged over sixteen games in two thousand eighteen. Jimmy G had two hundred and forty three point four standard fantasy points, and Mullins had two hundred sixty six point one standard fantasy points over sixteen games. So I've started the hashtag of my man Mullins, and I'm sticking with it. I know everybody hates my claim that I don't like Jimmy G. I'm a hater and all this other bullshit. Well, guess what? I am. <laughs> I think Mullins is just as good. He doesn't cost any money, and I think he would be just fine. And I just Jimmy G is 28 years old, and he's played 10 NFL games. Started 10 NFL, started 10 NFL games. Not impressed. I'll take Mullins. For this offense, I think he would be just fine, and we could buy a lot of other weapons there in San Francisco. But I digress on the 49ers. But that is why I like Nick Mullins as much as Jimmy uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm just not goo-goo over Jimmy G like everybody else is. Kittle is still coming into his prime and entering just his third year, so I think there's room for upside there. Of course, he's already a top tight end in both NFL standards in the league and certainly in fantasy circles. The 49ers in general will be healthy this year after losing multiple running backs and receivers and their starting quarterback, not to mention Kittle, who called on to carry the offense in general last year in just his second season. So with wounds healed, another offseason in Shanahan's complicated offense and more weapons to pull pressure toward the outside, uh, Pettis, Goodwin, and rookie Debo Samuel, not to mention Jalen Hurd and uh Trent Taylor, they have some other options as well there. Plus Jimmy G's return, Kittle should thrive again in 2019. And if Kelsey stumbles, I think Kittle could take over that number one slot overall. So his upside is through the roof, and his floor should be too. So Kittle is my number two tight end right now, but only because Kelsey is the new Gronk. Speaking of Kelsey, he is my number one tight end. ECR has him at number one. ADP has him at number one. He's going as the fourth pick in the second round. The Don, Travis Kelsey, as of now, he was referred to as Baby Gronk for the last few years. He is now the new Gronk, at least in fantasy football. Going in the back of the first round or early second is a pretty prestigious honor for any player, but especially a tight end. Kelsey had 150 targets, 103 receptions, 1,336 receiving yards, and 10 touchdowns last year. He had double-digit targets in 7 of 16 games and went over 100 receiving yards in 5 of 16 games, and he hit 95 and 99 receiving yards in two others. So he's literally 6 yards away from 7 100-yard receiving games, which is incredible for any player, but again, especially incredible for a tight end. He was first in target share, red zone receptions with 17, fantasy points per game with 18.4, and total target distance with 1,385 total targeted yards. He was second in receptions, receiving yards, and air yards with 743, and yards after catch behind Kittle with 593, and touchdowns with 10 behind Ebron's 13. He was more consistent and had... Bigger upside on a weekly basis than Kittle and Ertz in arguably the league's most potent offense in 2018. And this year should be more of the same of everything for Travis Kelsey. 
if Tyreek Hill gets suspended by the NFL, which of this podcast we don't know for sure yet, Kelsey could dominate again and even dominate more, and his numbers could go up if he can handle being the number one target and potentially getting double teamed like Gronk has over the years with limited wide receiver weapons outside of Edelman for the New England Patriots for the most part. So if Kelsey can handle that, he should be just fine. If for some reason having that safety over the top or an extra linebacker or a slot corner giving him a nudge off the line, disrupts him or whatever, could throw him off a little bit, but he's a beast. Mahomes is amazing. That offense is great. I think he'll be just fine. With Mahomes and Andy Reid and possibly less or no Tyreek Hill, Kelsey could break both Ertz's reception record and Kittle's receiving yards record this year. He's my number one tight end, and it's not really even that close, although I do love me some George Kittle. But right now I have Travis Kelsey as the number one. We'll see what happens with Tyreek Hill, but regardless, my projection for uh, Travis Kelsey might go down a little bit, but moving him out of the number one slot isn't going to happen, barring an injury. So those are my top 15 tight ends. I didn't go to 24 like we do with every other position because you just don't really need to draft 24 tight ends. Generally, uh, if you have a question about somebody I didn't mention, or you do play in maybe a tight end premium league, which we talked about with Summy, or you have to play in a league where some leagues have two tight ends, you have to play two tight ends. Therefore you are having 24, even 30 tight ends drafted. Um, then hit me up, just shoot me a DM on the social medias or an email or whatever. And I'm happy to help you out. I've got player profiles for more players, but for this episode, I just did my top 15. So I encourage you once again to check out our previous two episodes with some of the draft room pod, go see him on Instagram at draft room pod, find him on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, everything else. He and I go through our top 15 and compare and contrast. We also give some breakouts and busts and, and, uh, values as well at the tight end position but we have a couple names that we're drastically different on so make sure you go check out those episodes episode 97 and 98 but to rally it out here my top 15 tight ends as of july 2nd are mark andrews 15 dallas goddard 14 jack doyle 13 austin hooper 12 delaney walker 11 david njoku 10 vance mcdonald 9 eric ebron 8 Jared Cook, 7. Hunter Henry, 6. O.J. Howard, 5. Evan Ingram, 4. Zach Ertz, 3. George Kittle, 2. And at number 1, no surprise, Travis Kelsey. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode will be 100 for the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. 100 episodes. Make sure you tune in. We're going to have a special episode for that. Really, really stoked. I can't believe we're at 100 episodes on this. Pretty incredible. Super excited. Make sure you dial back for that. And, of course, be sure to email us your fantasy questions heading into 2019 to tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at the fantasy football at fantasy football underscore tckpod. You can also find us on Twitter at tck underscore pod or on Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy podcast sorry my, my words are getting jumbled up I'm, I'm just getting excited to record the 100th episode apologies about that if you've gotten any value out of this podcast please leave a rate and review for the podcast of course and give us a like and a follow on our social medias it really does mean the world to us make the most of the rest of your day and we will catch you next time for the 100th time on the candlestick kids fantasy podcast thank you so much for tuning in i'm sky guasco and i am 
out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.